0: me felt ya. Welcome to Cron de Beha, Short Stories and Poetry for January 5th, 2024. I'm Terence O'Donnell, your Irish skillet. Come back with you for another week of stories and poems. So come in, sit down for a little bit and let me read you a bunch of stuff that I picked up for the last little bit. I've got poems and short stories for you. Five poems this time instead of uh, the other way around and two short stories. Uh, They're all nature-based for the most part, and I've got Robert J. Longpreay's sixth chapter from his new book, Sanctuary. So, I've been working hard this week on other obligations, so my podcast newsletters are being posted after normal working hours. Next weekend, i got family visiting, so the newsletter might be a little bit slow getting posted. I will record the show the day before they arrive and schedule the upload for the next Friday. I will try to do the same for the newsletters. I'll hopefully I'll get lucky. And then after that, things should get back to normal after next week. I hope. So with that, my first story is called The Wind is My Friend and he invites me into his dreams. My Mariana Bosarova from Bulgaria. Dark and hush, this night is coming. A starry blanket covers me. In my ear, the wind is humming. Telling me about his dream. He starts by banging on my window crawls under my doorstep, follows me and makes me hinder. Does he chase me? Says, yep. He makes me shiver in my coat. Oh, he wears a mere shirt. Look at him. How's easy going? Flies and sings like a little bird. Does he sneak into my wardrobe? All my dresses are a real mess. He's traveling all over the globe and decides now here to rest. I grab my wrap and hide in bed. slips quickly into my dreams. Would you give me a piece of bread? No one cares for me, it seems. Then he gives me a warm, cute hug, and he kisses me on the cheek. May I sleep there on your rug? I don't know how I shelter to seek. I won't stay here so long. Be my friend, and I'll be yours. I shall sing you an unknown song. I'll close with magic all the doors. He goes and comes here each night, sleeping under my red roof. I confess, He is for sure right. He stays my friend. This is the truth. My next one is a story. It's called Flight of the Fatherless, A Blue Jay's Tale of Loss and Hope, A Blue Jay's Odyssey of Grief and Grace by Ethan, author of Writer's Tools. The blue jay bounced around the soil, head twitching frantically, following along the grooves made by the breakfast worms. There must be just one more. The others had flown off, bellies full, preparing the meals for their little ones. Gerald, the blue jay, was kept up last night by a ferocious house cat trying to swipe his hatchlings away. He didn't get a lick of sleep until that ferocious demon went back to doing his sprints within his own home. By the time he managed to close his eyes, it was close to sunrise. He had been beaten by the others, just a hair too late. He tried digging for the worms, manically scooping the dirt away, eyes burning from the acidic sting of the fresh, freshly dew-covered dirt. Nothing. His head pounding, he flew back to his nest of raucous babies, rambunctious birdies, hankering for whatever father brought home to them. As he landed on the branch, he shimmied over to the nest. The babies could see his empty beak and sense the shame which lay upon his father's heart. The babies looked down at their feet, and tugged at the straw in the nest. None of them made a peep. Gerald's eyes continued to burn. He strained his neck, looking for anywhere he could get just a nibble of something. I don't know how she did this. His thoughts turned to his late wife, a bright, vibrant blue jay. She was as if someone picked a piece of the sky itself, and shaped it into the perfect form of what all blue jays should inspire to be. A graceful flyer, better than he ever was. A trip so sweet, and second only to the delectable berries they feasted on every so often. The way she carried herself so gently, yet with great strength and confidence. Gerald stepped back from his daydream to the rumbling of his baby's bellies. He had no option. He had to find food. He gave his babies one last gentle nudge with his beak and a playful peck on the tops of their heads as he set out on the hunt for whatever he could find. After an hour soaring above, wings getting harder to flap, or even hold out to glide. He spotted a small metal cage packed with seeds, nuts, and who knows what else. His eyes widened. He hit the jackpot. He jerked into a dive, wind slashing at his face, unflinching with determination to reach that food. He perched atop the little metal railing, perfectly fitted for his feet as he started to gather the various nuts and seeds splayed out before him, as if specifically for him. He heard a click. He stopped. He dared not move. Well, what are you waiting for? Shoot! Just behind the distracted blue jay crept a timid child, no taller than the small post the food cage sat on. He banished his father's old twenty-two rifle. Tears streamed from the child's eyes as his father, not too far away, stumbled out of his lawn chair, spilling some of his beer on his shirt. Get for nothing, sissy boy. Do I gotta whop your ass again for not listening? The boy's breath quickened, hands sweating. "'Making the trigger slippery. "'Get your ass over here now!' "'The boy couldn't stop his jaw from rattling. "'Give me that rifle. "'You ain't worth a damn, and you ain't no good, "'so just give it back, you little good-for-nothing bastard. "'I tried teaching you a lesson, "'and you still ain't want to learn.' "'Letting out a scream, the boy clenched his eyes "'and pulled the trigger. Silence. "'Only the boy's heavy breathing (laughs) bled out of the air. "'He dropped the gun, fell to his knees.' he sobbed. (laughs) Gerald landed on the ground, bounced over the boy, nudging his leg to console him. The father lay on his back, eyes wide and stiff, processing what had just happened. Flashbacks of his own drunken father flew by in his mind. The times he swore he would never get that bad, that he didn't drink nearly as much as him. The blame he placed on his child for his need to drink, the faults he knew were his, but never strong enough to admit. Now he lay drunk in the mud, a hole in his chest, his son crying not of love for him, but fear and hatred. Gerald waited as the kid went through the cycle of loss, the very cycle he went through when his own wife had been taken, to be part of the sky once more. He watched over the lost child as he wailed for help, for love, his mother, somebody. No one came. By sunset, the boy had become numb enough to gather the gun and walk back into the empty house to hopefully call someone. What the boy did after that, Gerald would never know. All he knew was as he flew back with a beak full of food, a loud pop rang out from the darkened house. His gut wrenched. His heart bled for that child, having no one to love him, stuck with himself, lost in his unforgiving world. He finally arrived back at the nest, to his babies, excitedly chirping for the long-awaited food. Gerald made sure each baby got plenty before he snuggled up with them. At last able to sleep, he looked over them eyes swelling for the thought of how close they came to being just like the boy with the rifle. Despite having lost his wife, their mother, Gerald knew, as long as he was breathing, they would always have a father. And then I have a poem. Frost Cryptic Air, free verse from Lark Morrigan. Frost Cryptic Air and bare charcoal trees looked for pieces of themselves above and below in the spaces in between. Owls and angels alike watch each and every stranger passing through the woods with heavy hearts, and they witness the chilling silence of lost dreamers underfoot. And as winter buries them and silences their requiems, I have to wonder how many roads less traveled by ended up this way. Diverged and twisted like a labyrinth throughout the unknown depths of these snow-covered woods, few have walked the winding roads ahead of me, and even fewer have seen what is on the other side and I imagine how few ever get the chance to savor the fleeting moments of weightlessness, of pure warmth untouched by the harsh winters below. So who am I to stop by the woods and ponder these snow-covered lanes that are far too great and elusive for me? Who am I to venture where great spirits of old, far greater than I, traveled alone and still faced a tragic death in the bitter cold? Though I may not find rest or peace or even joy in these ominous wintry woods, where dreams are carried for miles, only to be cut short and laid to rest in winter's tomb, frost pensive sighs from centuries ago speak to the aching soul that will not rest easily or settle for the well-traveled road. Will this make all the difference? Or will my death and fool's courage amount to nothing and be met with indifference? But no matter how merciless the untimely winds may be, or how lost unspoken words hang heavily in the air, I know I cannot sleep until I travel many miles to see for myself everything I could possibly be. Okay, that was a nice poem. Alright, now I'm going to get into Sanctuary, 6th chapter. Sanctuary, A Trip Back Home for Carrie. Chapter 6, Solving a Connection Problem for Anne and Her Mother by Robert J. Longpre. There were a lot of smiles and nodding by the other adults, only Ann didn't seem to be very engaged with what had been said at the table. Carrie could tell that she was depressed, likely thinking about her mother and father. Ann hadn't been able to connect with her mother, which wasn't too surprising. Though her mother had a smartphone, she didn't use social media. To be able to talk to her mother would mean being able to get a few bars on her cell phone, an impossibility here in the northern wilds. Only video or audio conferencing would work using Wi-Fi. After a while, the meeting broke up as it was time to get the evening meal ready. Leah was able to persuade Ann to help in the kitchen. Carrie went with his father, Ted, and Carl to plan out the grocery excursion for the next day. Carrie, I have a special task for you, his father began. I want you to go back to home to get supplies. While you're there... Call Ann's mother and talk her through so she can set up a social media connection. It doesn't matter which one she is willing to use. Ann needs to be able to talk with her mother. Got it, Dad. It would be easier if she could meet me at her house if she is okay. But if not, I can find a way to make it happen. Good. I know I could count on you to do that. I already have a list of the things for you to pick up as far as groceries are concerned. What you'll need to do is spread the list over at least five different stores so you don't leave any particular store short on inventory. If you can see less than five of any item on the list, don't buy it in that store. Leave it for another store. Don't rush. I want you to stay the night in our house and drive back here the next day. I will talk with you tomorrow night using Messenger, since I will have already returned to the cabin by then. Okay, that shouldn't be a problem. Tell Ann what you're going to be doing. Keep in contact with her during the day tomorrow as well. Maybe she will want you to bring back something specific. Oh, and don't forget to use a mask despite being immune. There's no point in stressing out anyone you happen to be near, especially in the stores. Wearing a mask had been a habit for everyone in his family, as well as Ann's family. He and Ann both wore masks to school regardless of the fact that a number of their classmates constantly protested about having to wear them. Oh, and another thing, Dorian added. Here's some money, a credit card, and the list. You will have enough money, so don't worry about comparison shopping. Carrie pulled into the driveway at home. He got out to open the garage door as he didn't need to have neighbors see what he was putting in the Jeep. Walking into the house from the garage, he felt a real sadness for the way of life he had lost because of the virus. Seeing Ann's home down the street, he realized he had very little to complain about in comparison. His parents weren't sick. He wasted little time in gathering up the items on his father's list from the house. Added to the list were a few more stuffed dogs and several books for his sister, as well as a couple of kitchen appliances and utensils for his mother. With the last of the items tucked into the back of the jeep, he went to Ann's place to get the few things she needed. Ann didn't want much, and as she still hoped to return home to live with her parents before too long. While in her house, he called her mother. It didn't take many rings before Alice answered the phone. Carrie? Yes, ma'am. Is Anne with you? I can't understand why she hasn't phoned me. No, ma'am, she's at the cabin where there isn't any phone service. I'm calling from your house. Are you able to meet me here or anywhere else? No, I've got the virus as well. They won't let me out of the room, let alone the hospital. Carrie could hear the sadness and the frustration in Alice's voice. I'd like to talk you through how to use social media to talk with Anne. There's Wi-Fi at the cabin, thanks to my dad. That way, you could talk to Ann every day and even more often than that if you want. What do you think? If it means I could talk to my baby girl, of course I will do it, Alice explained. How do I start? Carrie explained how to find the Play Store icon on her Samsung tablet and then to download the Messenger program. Since Alice did have a rarely used Facebook account, it saved time. He told her she could do the same on her phone later. Finally, with a lot of missteps along the way, the program was downloaded. Now, send a message to me, Carrie instructed her, giving her his messenger ID. The telltale dink confirmed that the message had been successfully sent. That was good. Now try sending one to Alice. Carrie talked Alice through the process again until a second message was successfully sent. He then sent Alice a message, which she instantly received. Why didn't I know about this before, she exclaimed. No, sooner had she looked at the message when she received a response from Ann. Ann just sent me a message. You're a lifesaver, Carrie. Thank you, thank you. You can put the program on your phone as well, Carrie reminded her. Just send me a message if you run into problems. With the shopping done, rather than spend the night in the house, Carrie drove to the next town which had a motel. It would mean less driving the next day and would avoid having anyone dropping over to the house. His father was adamant about keeping a very low profile. The motel had free Wi-Fi like most hotels. He wasted a little time in buying a pizza and his favorite soda. He had a series on a streaming video service to continue watching, a series that Ann wasn't very interested in watching. However, first he had to connect with his father, and then Ann. Carrie, Durian's voice came over the messenger channel. Have you any room left in the Jeep? I could probably fit more in. It Depends on what else you want me to bring. I want you to buy two 20-liter gas tanks and fill them up, if at all possible. I just bought an ATV, and I want to store a reserve of gas for it. We will use the ATV to push snow during the winter. As well, it will come in handy for hunting. Can not do, Dad. Anything else? Just drive safe. See you here tomorrow afternoon. And next week, I'll bring you Chapter 7. And now I have a next one. It's called All That Falls to the Ground by Brenna B., published in Rainbow Salad. The snow's come early this year, a little earlier than the last. The flakes softly cover the ruins. In a few years, there'll be nothing but coal, maybe for the best. My sisters are young, their hands little, their memory made of rubble. I still remember bluebells peeking through the edge of the woods like cautious fairies. It's been cut away for firewood now, blocking down to the dirt. I stare at the moon, pieces of it drifting away into the black, only ever further away. The forever of that distance makes my chest ache. Sleep is guilt. The temptation of exhaustion is too heady. More alluring than cherry wine. I let it steal my time away from me. But it is a thief of goodness, too. Moments I could spend giving my sisters anything bright. I'm sorry, I whisper in my head after I jolt awake to tuck them into their apple crates. I sleep close to the window so that I am the first to hear of danger. I trace my fingertips down the frosted glass, tears dripping down to the dusty trim. The day after tomorrow. It's a thought I tuck in close, curl myself around. A day when bellies are full and we can see our family again. When we can sit around the fireplace and we can listen to the cracking embers because the night can be silent. I drift to sleep listening to the familiar rumbling in the distance. A sound like the world ending rips through the room. We cough up dust and look around at the cold stealing inside. The wall is missing. I take their hands in mine and we make ourselves small. It isn't hard to do. We are small. Our eyes watch in soundless fear. Where is our place in this redrawn world of tall bodies and heavy boots? Singing rises to in the distance, grand, desperate carols lifting higher than the rising smoke. It is beautiful, and something older than this new age. I turn my face toward the sound of their voices. And then I am missing. The cold street is against my cheek. The snow melts quickly under my skin. Little hands flutter over me, tug at me. My sister's faces swirl in the smoky wind. The thin morning light shines through their cheekbones. They are disappearing, and then I am alone. I remember now. My thoughts are bluebells, bending toward the ground. I see the pamphlets released from the sky, clumping in the gutter. I see the shoes of our soldiers marching by, too afraid to look at their faces. I see my sisters, painted orange by the fire, drawing with charcoal on the floor, bodies in crumbs and bullet casings and flour and rubble and petals and I resting on the ground. And my next one is a poem. The poem, Nature Soul, with the reference to Mavka the heart of nature, by Pearl's pulse. She was born of the earth. Her skin was the bark of the trees. Her hair was made of leaves, and her eyes were the stars. She danced among the flowers. She sang to the birds. She played with the animals, and she was one with the world. She knew no fear. She knew no pain. She knew only love, and she knew only peace. She was the girl of nature. She was the wild child, she was the spirit of the forest, and she was free. Conclusion: In the embrace of nature's arms, she found her true essence. With each step, she embodied freedom and harmony. May we too find solace and inspiration in the beauty of the natural world. And this is from Mavka, the forest song, a free movie. I guess it's from twenty twenty-three. From what I can see here, so. So it looks like a children's movie. But the poem was pretty nice. And my last one is also a poem, a nature poem, kind of. Where I'm From, a poem by Jojo Tekina, published in Imogene, Imogene's Notebook. I am from horses and hooves and big brown beasts that gallop through the night toward morning. I am from mystical magic meadows that start off shivering then heat up to dry desert gold or glistening forest green. I am from cracked leather rains and snow that squeaked when I fell. I am from the darkness that hid a disease that defined my father. His weakness scrubbed our lives with sorrow. I am also from joy that was never forgotten. I am from a life piled high with kittens and goats, dogs and love. I am from the home-cooked meals and garden-grown cabbages that turned into fermented jars bubbling in the cellar. I'm from work that's hard, where time wasn't counted in minutes, and morning started before dawn with dirty boots and hot coffee. I'm from hidden poverty, where $200 meant the difference between choosing meals, shoes, or fuel for the month. I'm from the days when a book was an escape, not a screen. I understood early that the further I read, the further I'd fly. I'm from ranches and alfalfa fields that fed the cattle, that fed the world. I'm from a soft mother's love, whose generous heart never allowed her to the strait to see her value and beauty. I'm from the day when I had to be her beginning, and I walked away so she could find the path I had left in my wake. I'm from a quilted history, so from a patchwork of days, a country girl growing in a field of sunshine and storms. Where I'm from doesn't exist anymore, but in my heart I'm hurtling headlong toward that horizon, mane and tail flying power firmly in my hands and between my knees. So I thank you for listening to all my stories that I got from medium writers and and, poetry, and poets this week. And at that, I will talk to you again next week. Guru Mahagat, thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it. I try to offer everyone a variety of stories and poetry each week. Maybe something to touch your heart a little bit. Disclosure for everyone. In order to read the complete stories and poems, you'll need to sign up for subscription and Medium. If I see a link by the author on one of the stories to allow everyone to read it, I'll let you know in the newsletters. Please return again next week for another episode of Crona Bay Has Stories and Poetry. This once a week podcast is available to listen to in nearly every podcast platform out there, including YouTube. Share this podcast with your friends and relations, the more the merrier. Search for Cronda Bay Stories and Poetry in your favorite podcast app. Subscriptions are still free, but I do have a donations tab on the RSS.com webpage and on my website at www.kronabayha.com. I appreciate any support for my efforts to bring these stories and poems to you. I hope I've achieved my goal in helping you feel like we've been sitting under the tree of life together. As a Shauna Kaye, I want to continue to lay you with a story or a poem that may bring you a smile or make you think a little bit after we part for the day. As I say goodbye this week, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day. Bless you and yours, as well as the cottage you live in. May the roof overhead be well thatched, and those inside be well matched. Slán go foil, which means goodbye for now in Irish.